Good afternoon, it's Monday, 12 p.m., and that means it's time for the MoneyWeb at Midday Show. I trust you've all had a good weekend. I'm Warren Thompson. Just remember that this show is being brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Well, coming up on the show today, we've got some big changes at the ABSA Group uh, following an announcement via Sense that it was restructuring uh, the business uh, and appointing uh, or reappointing and uh, I think recycling some executives into different uh, key positions on the on its executive committee. Uh, we were scheduled to speak to Zongizu Sibi, uh, who heads ABSA's corporate communications. Uh, he is absent without leave at the moment. Uh, so while we are waiting for Zongizu, uh, we are going to go straight to markets in just a second. MoneyWeb has a unique opportunity for financial advisors. Through our Click and Advisor offering, advisors can interact with a growing investor-based audience and attract new clients. To find out more, visit www.moneyweb.co.za. All right, you're back with the midday show. Uh, the JSC All Share is up uh, nearly half a percent this morning at 56,132 points, uh, and it's green for industrials up nearly a percent, financials up a quarter of a percent, and then gold mining and res- resources both uh, posting marginal losses at this point. Uh, behind NASPERS today, we have got Barclays Africa Group to be renamed ABSA as the second most traded share by value on the JSC. Uh, and that's followed by some other financial institutions that include the likes of First Rand, Sunlam, and Standard Bank. So interesting to see uh, the banks and financial institutions um, moving shares this morning. Uh, the uh, Rand continues to take losses. Uh, another one third of a percentage weaker against the US dollar, 12 Rand 7 cents against the pound, nearly half a percentage weaker at 17 Rand and 3 cents. And the Euro is also making gains against the Rand, uh, up a quarter of a percent to 14.82 against our local currency. Gold's at $1,328 an ounce. Platinum and palladium both enjoying a good day so far. Platinum up 1% to $919 an ounce and palladium up almost 2% to $920 an ounce. The two metals there almost trading at parity. He had to discuss the markets with me this morning is Simon Brown, the founder of Just One Lap. Good uh, afternoon to you, Simon. How's it, Warren? Nice to have you in the studio. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting developments. Uh, I think last week around the uh, around the uh, trade war that was brewing, uh, as well as uh, the hostile or not so hostile takeover of Murray and Roberts. But uh, just coming to uh, the discussions and the uh, like tit for tat um, responses uh, from China to the U.S. and and uh, vice versa. We we're awaiting further moves by the U.S. to slap uh, tariffs on China. Uh, this is a zero-sum game for both countries. I think at best it's a zero-sum game. Um, it's quite possibly a, a negative game for, 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 for countries, although you know, technically on the surface it should be zero-sum. It depends where they tax and how they tax. And, and for example, motor vehicles from the U.S. into China already have a tax, um, 25%. They're looking to push that up to 50 And that might put it over, uh, you know, over a tipping point in, in, in a sense. The theory being that if you tax the steel into America, uh, that will then create more demand and create some jobs and and it's you know it's a good deal but of course it's going to push prices up and you know even the local produced steel will do import our parity pricing and the question then is does it really create much more jobs and the like so it's just you know trade walls trade walls don't work and 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 tariffs really 
I get why economies will often use them, countries will often use them, but in truth, you know, in a in a perfect capitalist environment, capitalism, if we just take pure capitalism, at its core is the movement of ideas, products, people, money, the complete free movement. Now, of course, we don't quite let that happen. We try and protect industries and sectors and the like, but then we've got to be careful about which ones we're protecting. And is steel, in the U.S. example, really the industry to be protecting? Um, as an outsider, and, and, and patently I am, the answer is, well, no. I mean, you know, not if it's going to result in billions and billions of, of, of dollars of, of issues. And if we go back to the last big trade tariffs in the 1930s in the U.S., it literally started with two products, um, wool and sugar, ended up being over 8,000 products, including goldfish. I mean, who knows? Uh, and we know what happened post that. Now, the tariffs didn't cause the Great Depression, but they certainly didn't help it. And what we're seeing right now, as you say, is it's lots of tit for tat. And, and at this point, what's spooking the market is that we have nothing firm. We have, you know, one person on Twitter saying stuff and, and, and uh, then the Chinese saying they will respond. At, at this point, it all just seems to be a whole bunch of, of, of posing and, and, and the like. And the market kind of like, where is this going to come out? How bad will it or won't it be at the end of the day? And of course, we're only focusing on US China. There's US Canada. There's Mexico. There's Europe. There's, there's all the other economies as well, which, which also at some point need to come into this. As a last point, oddly enough, countries such as ourselves, emerging markets, might slightly benefit from it in the sense that we're probably not going to be targeted for any of these tariffs. Um, yeah, if there's a blanket on steel, but that's fine. We don't say much steel to, to the U.S. We could see a slight benefit, but nothing major. We would be better off if none of this was happening. With a volatile cu- a currency like South Africa enjoys, uh, should, we, uh, should our trade policies... Uh, be integrated with what the uh, what the currency is doing. In other words, if we find that uh, the rand continues to appreciate sharply against our major trading uh, partners, um, should should our trade policies be dynamic and, and reflect that? Because obviously, as uh, as the rand gets stronger, uh, imports become cheaper. And that uh, tends to hollow out, can hollow out uh, in periods of strong appreciation, uh, industry, local industry. And I had a conversation last week with uh, executives from uh, manufacturing and trying to stimulate manufacturing. Do we need to take into account our currency when we when we consider trade policies? I think it's an excellent question and probably worth digging into. There, there are there are obviously uh, risks around it. One being is that because of the liquidity and volatility of our rand, it can move swiftly. And that swift move is typically to the weak side. We saw it when then Finance Minister Nene got fired, um, where, where suddenly the currency weakens a heck of a lot in a, you know, in a matter of days, weeks and months. And, and we've seen that repeatedly over the years when, 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 when that happens. Um, there, there's the other side that, that should we, you know, could the Reserve Bank try and, 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 and stabilize the currency? And we tried that with Chris, Governor Stolz in 1998. Yeah, disaster. Disaster. We spent $26 billion US dollars and still lost and 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 that 26 billion went to the pockets of 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 traders so i think there's probably something there but it needs to be done very carefully very softly and we need to be very careful as to which areas that we that 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 you know that we're prepared to pick and and try and protect um and and legacy reasons is not always good enough it should be you know one that springs to mind that we've never been much on is is beneficiation of 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 the minerals that we pull out 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 of the ground 
ground. Uh, we talk a lot about it, but it's easier said than done. Um, we also, as economies, and, and it comes back to my point around Trump and steel, sometimes you've actually got to let areas go. And, you know, uh, candle making used to be a big deal 100 years ago, 150 years ago, and now it's niche little areas. And part of it might actually be is, is being brave to say, you know, perhaps it's not worth defending an industry. Perhaps it's rather worth putting that money in and helping that industry become something else, whether it be, you know, a, a segue off one direction or the other. But, but certainly at the core of it, we've got to be careful if you start playing in that sort of space because things happen quickly, because retaliation, uh, currencies move, demand moves. Um, the flippers, as you say, is that volatile currency, a currency that can be, you know, 1850 and then 1150, doesn't matter which side of the equation you're on, makes planning a business a nightmare to try and do. Okay, just to not to, I know it's it's kind of preempting Zangiza because I see we've got him mm-hmm. on the line. We'll be chatting to him now. Uh, obviously, uh, Maria and the management team and the the board of uh, of ABSA um, have made these changes. Uh, but just generally, what would you like to see now that they've been unshackled from Barclays? I think what, what, what Maria and her team, Maria Ramos and her team here is doing is very much they no longer have the Barclays overlay. They can now be ABSA again. Um, and, and I think that's a, a, a great opportunity for them to focus on their on their core home market and to do things without prescription from, 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 from the UK and from Barclays London um, and to then focus on areas. And I'm not saying that necessarily they weren't, but certainly there's been for example the one issue a lot of folks have said exceedingly generous dividend payouts was that perhaps Barclays who wanted the cash I know that Miramis has denied it but that perception is out there Um, and I think corporate changes like this at 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 the head office level give an indication that they are not that Barclays was imposing um, positions and the like, but just to get in the point of, you know, this is now our bank. We now run it as we wish to rather than with a dictate and board members from, from an oversight from, from this case being Barclays. Okay, great. We've got uh, Zongiza on the phone. We're going to get, uh, we're going to be speaking to him in a second, but thanks very much for your time today, Simon. Always a pleasure. That was Simon Brown from Just One Lap. You're back with the Midday Show, and obviously we're just, as I've mentioned, uh, ABSA making changes to its executive committee and its organization. Joining me now on the phone is uh, Head of Communications for ABSA, Zongizo Zibi. Good to speak to you today, Zongizo. Good day, Wayne. Just uh, take us through the key changes. Um, as far as I've read the announcement that you've provided to the market via SENS, uh, not only are you restructuring uh, the business in terms of the underlying pillars, uh, but you're also, uh, there's been quite a lot of rotation of uh, executives. Um, perhaps, Zangiza, you can start out just by explaining the rationale for the new four core businesses that you've announced today. Thanks, Warren. On the 1st of March, when we presented our strategy to the market, we one of the things we undertook to do was to restore APSA's uh, leadership in core businesses. And these are the Retail and Business Bank, Corporate and Investment Banking, the Wealth Investment Management and Insurance, as well as uh, Retail and, and CIB in our rest of Africa business. What we've done is we've split out uh, those businesses into separate units. Currently, we've had a South Africa formulation, a rest of Africa formulation, as well as a WIMI formulation. Each of those four businesses now under the control of a chief executive officer who also has a chief operating officer 
so that the entire delivery inf- infrastructure is accountable to that chief executive delivery to, to customers, uh, that is. So we no longer have a chief operating officer at group level. That's one of the of the big changes in line with the strategy. The second promise we made was that digitization and the change in the organizational in the organization's culture would be instrumental in uh, in whether the strategy is able to advance as fast as we wanted to. And so we've created a new portfolio of the chief executive for strategic services. And that is where the digital strategy is going to sit human resources, organizational culture, the group strategy itself, as well, well as a delivery on the separation program for Barclays, for which the, the latter has contributed over 12 billion rand to. So that, that's, it, that, I suppose, the second big development that is also linked to the strategy. There are also new members to, to the executive committee who then fill out the, the rest of the position. Okay, so just uh, let's let so if I've understood you correctly now, Ari Rotenbach, he was head of strategy and risk. I think he he becomes the head of retail and business banking. And what you're saying is he'll be head of retail and business banking in South Africa and for the rest of Africa. Is that is that right? No, just just in South Africa. So the way the rest of Africa business works is that it's got a retail and business bank, and uh, it also is serviced by our corporate and investment banking element. So in our corporate and investment bank, there is a rest of Africa, a team that supports Peter Matsari's business. So RBD in this announcement is South Africa specifically. Okay. And, the, and Ari Rotenbach will head that. Okay, then you've got Bongiwe Kangeni in charge of uh, private banking and business banking. That's correct. Private and business banking. She also becomes the deputy chief executive for the retail and business bank in South Africa and joins the group executive committee as well. Okay, and then uh, CIB stays in charge of, uh, CIB stays with uh, Timmy Ofong and Mike Harvey as the co-CEOs there. Uh, Nomkita Nkweni remains the CEO of uh, WIMI, as I understand it. That's correct, yeah. And then Yasmin Masitela, as you mentioned there, becomes CEO of the Strategic Services, uh, whose mandate is to um, take responsibility for the, the bank's, the group's digital strategy. Group digital strategy, the group strategy as a whole, human resources, and the separation from Barclays. Okay, and the separation from Barclays. And then Charles Russon, he becomes the chief technology officer for the group. Is that is that the entire executive committee, including obviously Maria and David Hodnett, who I understand is taking a sabbatical along with Jason Quinn, who's the CFO? Yeah, well, before I go to, 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 to the other positions, I think to explain the relationship between the Yasmin digital, digitization uh, role, role as well as the chief technical officer. The chief technical officer, Charles Russell, will be responsible for the bank's technological infrastructure, your branches, your ATMs, and, and so on. Right. Yasmin's role will be to determine the group's digital strategy because you need to digitize end-to-end, not just in terms of delivery to customers, but in terms of internal colleague-related systems as well. So we'll change the employee management, employee enterprise resource software that we have into a new system. So she'll oversee that estate. It currently resides in the human resources function, and she oversees that as well. So we've taken all the functions that we thought are critical to the actual transformation and digitization of the bank in terms of the strategy. And given it, 
control of the group strategy function as well because we have to keep the shape of that. And the reason is that it's very easy for each of the chief executives to go off and do their own thing, which starts, which may start to change color in terms of what the strategy needs to be. So her job is to hold all of that together and make sure we deliver the culture that we that we promised. And then the rest of the executive committee, the only other new person is August Fazierden. He's heading up the separation from Barclays now. He relinquishes that role to Yasmin Masutiana and becomes the chief risk officer, replacing Ari Rotenbach. Okay, I think what investors wanted to want to just try and understand now, Zangizo, uh, without the the parent company looking over your guys' shoulders the whole time, uh, are we going to see? You you expect we will see faster decision making by ABSA going forward? Faster decision making and and our own approach in terms of uh, credit extension and so on. I think you would have seen from the second half of last year that our 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 home loan and vehicle financing division started performing very well. I think one of the things you have to recognize is that a Barclays PLC put up, had to put up 100% of the capital. So your, your risk appetite is always colored and framed by Barclays PLC's own credit risk appetite. We've got opportunity now to set our own destiny, set our own parameters, deploy our capital in the way that we think best suits the markets in which we're acting. And hopefully you'll start seeing the results of that during the course of the year and into the future. Zungizo, sir, does that suggest that uh, perhaps uh, uh, unshackled now from uh, Barclays, the parent company, that uh, Apsis got more credit appetite than what would have been the case a few months ago under the oversight of of Barclays? You've got got credit appetite in certain markets that is probably greater than it was uh, with Barclays uh, looking over your shoulder. I think maybe not greater, but we've got certainly got more latitude to make our own assessment of the market and decide what the right credit decisions to make in those markets and then effect them uh, accordingly because we control the capital 100% and we determine where it is going to be deployed. Okay, well, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Uh, Zongizo, perhaps uh, one of the fascinating things I found about uh, the original merger between Barclays and ABSA was the merger of two very different cultures, and, and perhaps uh, uh, you or and or Maria could uh, talk to us about that uh, with a bit of perspective and hindsight about combining two very large organizations with uh, some, some very stark cultural differences, but uh, I think that will be a, a dialogue for another day. Yeah, they would love to have that conversation. Thanks, Ngiza. That's uh, very interesting talking, and uh, obviously we'll stay in touch uh, regarding how things progress. Thanks, Ryan. That, that was Ngiza Zibi, Head of Communications for ABSA Group. Just remember that this show is being brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Numerology studies tell us that numbers have symbolic meaning. Number eight stands for success. Four is stability, and three represents advantage. These qualities, over and above trust, ethics, and leadership, are embraced by CASA, the leading accounting, auditing, and tax business designation underpinned by ethical standards, delivering responsible business leadership to take your business to number one. Because business is more than just numbers. CASA, leaders in business. And that brings us to the end of another MoneyWeb at Midday show. Remember, our English and Afrikaans speaking radio shows get going at 6 p.m. Be sure to tune into those. Cheers for now.